The Island Digest is a sampling of the stories in this week's Journal of the San Juans, Islands Sounder, and Islands Weekly, which are on newsstands now. The March 15th edition is brought to you by Orcus Center. I'm Caleb Summers. Headlines from the week of March 15th, 2023. Vikings basketball wraps up an incredible season. Lago earns Coach of the Year. For Frank Leeming, journalism was a calling. Peace Health now scheduling mammograms twice weekly, plus choice excerpts from the sheriff's log. From the Island's Sounder, Vikings basketball wraps up an incredible season. Lago earns Coach of the Year by Jefferson Freeman. What a season for Orcus Boys Basketball! It was capped off by an incredibly deep playoff run to make school history. The Northwest 1B-2B League named Ed Lago Coach of the Year. I was the senior's first coach in Swish when the boys were little, said Lago, whose sons, Diego and Remy, both play on the Vikings team. To be their last coach in high school is pretty special to me. I don't think very many people can say that. I feel blessed to have this opportunity with this group. Diego earned league MVP and was selected as a first-team All-State high school player. The last person from Orcas to be awarded that honor was Vanya Bullock. Diego will be playing with the All-Star Game on March 18th in Tacoma. Other Viking awards include Aidan Murray, first team, and Tommy Anderson Cleveland, second team. Playoff game details. After an upset win over Nia Bay, the Vikings had already accomplished more than they were supposed to, but the Vikings weren't done. Making their first trip to the 1B state tournament meant making the trip to Spokane, where they would be matched up against the Oakville Acorns. The Acorns were coming off a second-place finish in their district and had earned the eighth overall seed in the tournament. Anyone who watched the game would have thought the seeds reversed as the Vikings came out in control and never looked back. The game started back and forth, but the Vikings maintained a clear advantage through the first half. Halftime flipped a switch as the Vikings cleaned up their few defensive errors and had the acorns in the palm of their hands. Every player on the roster got a bucket as the Vikings took dominating control late to take a 72-43 win and advance to the last eight. After a big win over Oakville, the Vikings were moving on to the state quarterfinals. In this round of play, the Vikings found themselves matched up with one of the state's premier programs, the Sunnyside Christian Knights. The Knights had claimed three of the previous five state titles and would be potentially the tallest task the Vikings had faced all season. That would prove to be true, as the Knights came out and proved a tall, tall task on both ends of the floor. While the game was close for the full 32 minutes, the Knights seemed to be in control the whole time. They gave no life to the Vikings, who, despite that, kept one of the state's best teams within striking distance, but fell 56-47. to while out of the running for first place, the Vikings were still in the hunt for some hardware. 
The loss against Sunnyside pitted them into a matchup against fifth seed Moses Lake. The Lions were coming off a 65-35 loss against DeSales. The winner of this matchup would advance to the fourth-place game, while the loser would have to pack up their bags and head home for the season. The Vikings had no interest in cutting their visit short and made that quite apparent from tip-off. They came out with every bit of fire you could imagine, holding the Lions to just six points in the first quarter. An incredible defensive effort led the way as the Vikings had unwavering control by halftime. Joe Stevens was the leading scorer for the third straight game this tournament, an absolutely incredible feat from the freshman. In one of the best displays of Viking basketball to this day, Orcus upset number 5 Moses Lake 67-39. to The final game of the season would be an epic Viking versus Viking showdown. 16th Orcus versus 11th ranked Mossy Rock, two underdogs who pulled off unbelievable upsets to get to this spot, and two teams ready to leave it all on the line. Unfortunately for the Orcus Vikings, Mossy Rock had the early advantage. Led by 14 points from Zach Munoz, the Vikings established an early 26-11 lead over the Vikings. Orcus was far from out of the game, though, as they answered with a barrage of their own, knocking down five three-pointers to bring the game to 44-34 at halftime. Whoever came out of the half in control would have the game in their hands, and that team was Mossy Rock. In a game that had been all about putting points on the board, something flipped at halftime, and both teams came out focused on the defensive end. The 20 combined points in the third quarter would be the lowest out of any game the Vikings, of Orcus, played in all year. Down 12 going into the final quarter of the season, the Vikings were faced with a tall task. Orcus gave it everything they had, but fell just short by a score of 68-61. to 61. Bringing home the sixth-place trophy is quite a feat for Vikings basketball. It is the first time Orcus has brought home a state trophy since the 1980s, solidifying this group of Vikings as one of the greatest of all time. Seniors Diego Lago, Aidan Murray, Matthew Egenberg, Tommy Anderson Cleveland, and Paxton White gave everything they had to push the Vikings to this point, but must now pass the torch on to the next generation. And now, from Corey Wiscombe, for a rebuilding season with a new coach and very young players, an appearance in the state tournament was a bright sign for next season's Orcas Island High School girls basketball team. The Lady Vikings finished the season on a high point, playing their best team ball during the playoffs and qualifying for a seed in the tri-district tournament where they had two dramatic wins over Concrete High School and Lummy High School. Their run in the Tri-District Tournament ended in a 33-55-point loss to league rival Mount Vernon Christian, but Orcus had already qualified for a loser-out game in the first round of state play. That game would be against Willapa Valley High School, in which the number 12 seed would take a 30-51 victory over the Vikings to bring the Orcus team's season to a conclusion. 
Orcus started the season slow but finished with a 12-12 record. Coaches and players alike share the vision that this year was about building something, and all share optimism for the upcoming season. First-year head coach Jay Sack was candid in his statement that, I hope I set a foundation for the girls' team for years to come. While further thinking of ups and downs of this season, Coach Sack continued, This year was a wild ride, kind of like a roller coaster, between concussions, having limited players, to make a decent run postseason. All I can do now is hope for more girls to be interested in basketball. Sophomore point guard standout Ava Ashcroft spoke similar sentiments. It was definitely a setup for next year, she said. With a new coach and spending a lot of time on team building, this year was a rebuild. I am positive about next year and really looking forward to it. This season was a learning experience. Next year is going to be good, reflected freshman guard Sophia Mahoney-Juaregi. I think this year was a rebuild, and we got to know about each other. Next year is all about working hard and playing well together. In the future, there will be a coaches' meeting to determine which players are given the awards for all league first and second teams. Junior Bethany Carter is likely to be one of those voted in for her outstanding play all season long, and had this to say about this year's journey. The season was filled with a lot of perseverance, with a short bench and injuries, Carter said. We struggled a lot in the first part of the year, just connecting as a team, but we improved a lot over the course of the season. I wasn't sure we were going to make it to state, so it was really good to get there. We want more for sure. I'm really excited for next year. We have a lot of the same players returning, and it should be fun. It's hard not to let the optimism become contagious, as Orcus hopes for an exciting ride once again next winter when the gymnasium lights stay on late and the sounds of court shoes squeaking on hardwood fill the dark evenings. For now, November is a long way away, but the whole team smiles about what dreams may come. From the Journal of the San Juan Islands, for Frank Leeming, Journalism Was a Calling by Kelly Balcom Bartok. For some, journalism is a calling. It's an inner desire to tell stories and share facts with a wider community. Whether that be a small group or a national audience, journalism is a profession that draws a certain type of people. Frank Leeming was one of those people. Leeming owned this newspaper, the Journal of the San Juan Islands, serving as both publisher and editor from October 1983 until selling the business in June of 1992. During his tenure, the journal covered news on all the ferry-served islands, employed a robust team of news and sports reporters, advertising and classified staff, production staff operating a full-service printing press, and support staff that made it all work day in and day out, deadline after deadline. While the Leemings owned the journal, the paper won more awards for journalistic excellence than any other paper of its size in the state. Leeming passed away in his home in Hot Springs Village, Arkansas, on February 25, 2023, at the age of 84.
Every week for eight and a half years, Leeming and his team published a weekly journal filled with news, events, sports, opinions, ads, and community tidbits that informed, entertained, and educated this community. Long before social media and the diversification of news outlets and sources, Leeming and the journal were the primary source of information and news for this community, and every week, Leeming and his staff of like-minded individuals produced content for an information-hungry readership. Leeming was a true journalist in every sense of the word. He followed the core principles of journalism, including truthfulness, accuracy, impartiality, independence, fairness, public accountability, and respect for others. Leeming was a lifelong journalist well before he came to the island with his wife and family to own and operate both The Journal and Harbor Press, their commercial printing company they base here in Friday Harbor. In The Journal, his news stories and regular columns ran the gamut from fearlessly holding the government accountable to fun facts and the far side. A desire to own their own newspaper eventually brought Frank and his wife Joyce to Friday Harbor. Frank decided he'd like us to own our own newspaper when the owner of the Kingsport Times News decided to make his son publisher and Frank was let go, Joyce said. Frank was working with a listing agent for weekly newspapers as we knew we could not afford a daily. We visited several in states east of Kingsport then decided we'd camp across country in our little RX-7, a two-seater, looking at various papers throughout the West, including Montana and Idaho, before visiting San Juan Island. We camped in state and national campgrounds in a tent, cooked over open fires, had showers and waterfalls, and saw a lot of beautiful country, including the Grand Canyon. There wasn't room for another pair of socks in the back of that little car. We were immediately smitten with the island and proceeded negotiations with the owners. I believe their names were Larry and Rosalind Duffy, but I'm not sure. I believe this was in 1983. We bought the paper and Frank stayed on the island. I flew home to Kingsport to put the house on the market. Lewis, Dusty, the cat and dog, and I arrived on Thanksgiving Day. Once settled, I went to work at the journal too, first on the front desk taking classified ads, then graduated to designing display ads and learned how to put those on the master sheet for printing. In those days, one had to use wax to make the printed ads stick, and we had to apply borders by hands. We had our own press. Right before we left Kingsport, computers first became available, and we purchased one. They had two drawer-like slots. One side held the drive, and the other the program using to write the article, probably Word. We were the first weekly to be able to connect the computer to the typesetting machine that printed out the paper used in the production department to make up the pages. Leeming worked as a reporter, editor, and publisher of both weekly and daily newspapers for nearly half a century, according to his family, and was nominated for a Pulitzer Prize twice during his career. After graduating from the University of Missouri in Columbia, Leeming served as a reporter for seven years, 
with the St. Louis Post-Dispatch before becoming editorial editor for the Lindsay Schaub newspapers in Decatur, Illinois. Leeming was then named business editor in the Philadelphia Inquirer in November 1971, working his way up to city editor and assistant to the executive director before becoming circulation sales and marketing manager for both the Inquirer and the Philadelphia Daily News, a sister newspaper. For a brief period, Leeming was publisher of the Kingsport Times News in Tennessee, earning the newspaper the title of Best Large Circulation Newspaper in Tennessee, before moving to San Juan Island in October 1983 to take the helm of the Journal of the San Juan Islands. Early in Leeming's career, he was also a correspondent for Life magazine, and notably was credited with unearthing critical information and a photograph of James Earl Ray, the man responsible for the murder of Martin Luther King. In the May 3, 1968 edition of Life magazine, the editor's note includes praise for Leeming, saying, As soon as it was announced that James Earl Ray was the real name of the man wanted for the murder of Dr. Martin Luther King, we set out to unearth and reconstruct the life history of this once obscure, now notorious human being. It was a chance for reporters to use every trick and technique they had ever learned. And on this story, there were a few tricks we didn't try. And we had an invaluable ally in our St. Louis correspondent, Frank Leeming Jr., a veteran reporter on the Post-Dispatch. It was he who unearthed the cover picture in a scrapbook in Ewing, Missouri, population 324. The editor's note continues. The competition was terrific. We were always a step ahead or behind the Los Angeles Times or the FBI. Leeming called the story a reporter's dream and was delighted to find that we were uncovering information that even the FBI had missed. After selling the journal and retiring to Hot Springs Village, the largest gated community in the nation, he remained active in both journalism and his community. Leeming served as editor of the Hot Springs Village Voice, a weekly newspaper between 2005 and 2008. Leeming was subsequently elected to the Hot Springs Village Property Owners Association Board of Directors, representing 34,000 property owners. During his career, Leeming was a member of the American Newspaper Publishers Association, American Society of Newspaper Editors, Southern Newspaper Publishers Association, National Conference of Editorial Writers, and served as the director of the Tennessee and Washington State Press Associations. According to his family, Leeming and his wife Joyce have five children, William C. Dusty Leeming and Scott Barbara Leeming in Friday Harbor, Patricia Ron Barrett in Charlotte, North Carolina, Frank Leeming III in Waynesville, North Carolina, and Louis C. Leeming in Haskell, Arkansas, and six grandchildren. While no services were held at Leeming's request, he leaves behind a lasting legacy that influenced an illuminated life in this community and the comings and goings of residents of these islands back in the 1980s and early 90s. From the Islands Weekly, 
Peace Health, now scheduling mammograms twice weekly. With the aim of making it as easy as possible for islanders to get timely and potentially life-saving mammograms, Peace Health Peace Island Medical Center has nearly doubled the number of available monthly appointments. As of the week of February 20th, the imaging team is scheduling mammograms twice every week, Tuesdays and Wednesdays. Previously, mammograms were offered Tuesdays and the third Monday of every month. We've been wanting to increase mammography services at Peace Island for quite some time, said Imelda Perez, supervisor of imaging services at Peace Island. Our patients understand the importance of regular screenings and appreciate being able to access them right here at home. Peace Island's Hologic Genius 3D mammography exam equipment was installed in 2019. The Genius 3D technology offers a better, more accurate screening exam for women across all ages and breast densities. Imaging technologists use soft touch and smart curve technologies for greater comfort. With technologists out on the island eight or nine days a month instead of just five, we expect to see volumes increase quickly, said Christopher Wood, director of imaging services for Peace Health's Northwest Network. This is a big win for Peace Island. Peace Health Peace Island's two technologists are based at Peace Health United General Medical Center in Cedro Woolley, but travel regularly out to the island. Perez noted how much Peace Island appreciates the collaboration with its sister hospital. From July 1st through January 31st, the imaging team at Peace Health Peace Island performed 1,044 mammograms, up from 997 in the same period the previous year. About Peace Health. Peace Health, based in Vancouver, Washington, is a not-for-profit Catholic health system offering care to communities in Washington, Oregon, and Alaska. Peace Health has approximately 16,000 caregivers, a medical group practice with more than 1,200 providers, and 10 medical centers, serving both urban and rural communities throughout the Northwest. In 1890, the Sisters of St. Joseph of Peace founded what has become Peace Health. Visit us online at peacehealth.org. About Peace Health Peace Island Medical Center, located in Friday Harbor, Washington, Peace Health Peace Island Medical Center is a 10-bed critical access hospital which also houses an expanded primary and specialty care clinic to serve the San Juan Islands. The hospital celebrated its 10th anniversary in November of 2022. And now, choice excerpts from the San Juan County Sheriff's Log. On March 1st, a deputy was contacted in reference to an abandoned vehicle by a local tow company. The registered owner of the vehicle failed to redeem the vehicle from impound. The registered owner was issued an infraction for littering abandoned vehicle. A report was taken. Deputies on San Juan responded to an order violation. The deputies arrived at the residence and located the individual hiding in a vehicle behind a sheet. The individual was arrested and booked into jail for a protection order violation. A report was completed.
On March 4th, a Lopez deputy and the Lopez Fire Department responded to a structure fire in the village. The home was a complete loss. Fortunately, no one was harmed and the fire did not spread beyond the one building. On March 6th, deputies on San Juan Island searched for an individual with an active DOC felony warrant for their arrest. The individual learned that he was being looked for and he fled. Deputies searched for him but were unable to locate him. Continued efforts will be made to find the individual. On March 7th, a deputy on Orcas Island initiated a call regarding a dock attached to the Obstruction Pass County dock. The person who tied it there was asked to remove it and did so. A short time later, the deputy received a report of the same person trespassing on a mooring ball. This concludes the March 15th edition of the Island Digest. This edition is brought to you by Orcas Center. Orcas Center is your place for fun and intrigue this winter with live concerts, performances, art openings, and more. To check out upcoming events and purchase tickets, visit www.orcascenter.org. Thank you for listening to the Island Digest a small sampling of what's in your local print newspapers this week. The Journal, Sounder, and Weekly rely upon advertising, subscriptions, and donations to support our mission of high-quality community journalism. To contribute, visit our websites or email publisher Colleen Smith-Summers at csmith at soundpublishing.com. Thanks for tuning in, and come back next week for more local news from San Juan County, Washington. I'm Caleb Summers.